But it's an honor and a privilege being here. Uh, you know, Curtis and Alice and I, we go way back and uh, got to serve uh, the Lord for years. And it's, and it's just awesome to see them going after God and what God's doing here through y'all. And uh, Charles, I'm good to see you. Isn't it, isn't it exciting to live for the Lord? You know, when we look at this building and uh, Curtis was telling me what God has done and what he's doing and, and it is just, all you can say is thank you. Thank you, Lord. You know, God is just so faithful and so good and, and it is a privilege and honor for Heather and I to be here. Our youngest daughter, Chloe, is in the children's ministry this morning. She'll be working the book table in between services and we got two older kids. Uh, Macy is 17, Hayes is 13 and uh, they're not here with us today. And uh, Heather and I, we get to travel all over. Uh, you know, I pastored churches for almost uh, nine years, eight and a half years. And I've traveled before and rodeo professionally and everything. And uh, about nine years ago now, the Lord had me go back and travel and, and, and minister again and, and rodeo. And I'm also an executive director for the John Maxwell organization. It's, he's the number one leadership developer in the world. And um, I get to be a part of that group. And, you know, it's so funny to me just knowing knowing me. You know, and knowing I'm a, a cowboy from West Texas, a guy that just loves God and never set out to do everything we're doing now around the world. And uh, you know, I was in Florida, you know, last August, I'm sitting there teaching uh, leaders of countries uh, about leadership and just thinking on the inside, I'm just giggling, just thinking, really, Lord, <laughs> you know, <laughs> only you could do this. Um, I was asked to go to Paraguay with John and them a uh, week before last to teach the, the leadership of the country, and I wasn't able to go because I already had stuff booked, but it's just, it's awesome to see how faithful God is and what He's doing. Um, you can also watch our show every Sunday if you get direct TV. We have a show Sunday mornings at 8.30. Uh, I think I'm on right before T.D. Jakes. I think it's a ball head momentum going right there, you know, so... If you want to get a double dose that day, you can record that. There's, I believe we're on, uh, I'm not for sure, the local channel here in Amarillo also. It's God's Learning Channel. Uh, we're on a couple times a week on that channel as well. And In the magazine, it shows you where you can follow us and pray with us, believe God with us. You can go to the website and I write daily devotionals and stuff that you can. We do this stuff just to help, help us grow. We have a podcast that goes out every week. Uh, so we have several different things going just we want to make a difference everywhere we go. You know, whether I'm doing ministry at a church like this, whether I'm doing leadership development, whether I'm, you know, roping somewhere, doing a school like we did the past uh, two days. We had 12 people accept the Lord at the roping school. That's just phenomenal. Can we give the Lord praise for that? It's so cool to see what God does through the gifts that he's given us. You know, I'll, I'll be going back to Australia here in August, and uh, I'll go over there, and I'll go into Aborigine villages. I'll go into different territories. Every time I go over there, go back to the same territories. Here than I went three years ago for the first time, I believe. Um, and it's been just so cool how, how God, you know, people will come thinking that they're going to get better at their roping, and they do. Uh, but then they just have an encounter with God. We had one uh, head mafia guy accept the Lord, and God's just restructured his life, and, and it is just so cool to see stuff that only God can do. Um, so pray for us, believe God with us, and uh, are you ready to get in the Word this morning? Awesome. Well, let's go. I believe they're going to have some of these scriptures up on, on the screen for you. But as I've been praying about this morning, um, the direction that the Lord would would have us go is just the importance for you and I to walk in the confidence towards God and towards what he's called each and every one of us to do. 
Say that with me, confidence. You know, the word confidence, there's several different meanings in the Greek, several different meanings in the Hebrews, but when it comes down to it, it means a certainty. It means a knowing. It means an assurance on the inside of you and I. And God wants us to be confident in Him, who He is, and He wants us to be confident in who He's created us to be. Say confidence. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 and 36. I'm going to read this, and they're going to pull it up on the screen there. And it says, Do not therefore fling away your fearless confidence. Why? Why doesn't he want us to fling it away? He says, For it carries a great and glorious compensation of reward. For you have need of steadfast patience and endurance so that you may perform and fully accomplish the will of God and thus receive and carry away and enjoy to the full what is promised. He says, Do not... Therefore, fling away your fearless confidence. Now, whenever he's talking to you and I about confidence, he's letting us know this is a very key ingredient for you and I to walk in our relationship with God and to be difference makers that he's called us to be upon this earth. How many of you when, you, when you think of the word confidence, I mean, what are some words that you think of? Talk to me. What are some words that you think of whenever you think of the word confidence? Bold. Assured, certain, right? He says, don't, don't let that slip away. Don't, don't throw that away because it's, it's very important that whenever life happens, that you and I are confident in the character and nature of God, that you and I are confident in the word of God. You and I are confident in our covenant with God. We are confident in the character and nature of God. Say confident. So when you think of yourself, do you think confident? Don't, don't answer that. Just keep looking straight ahead, okay? Am I confident whenever you come into the throne room of God, are you confident knowing that God's eyes are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry? Are you confident that when you call upon the Father in the name of Jesus that he answers your prayer? Are you confident when you're looking that disease right in the face or that circumstance or that situation right in the face? Are you confident that you're going to overcome? You might not know how, but you know you will overcome. You will get through it. You will get around it. You will get to the other side in victory. Are you confident when you get up in the morning? Are you confident on your way to work? Are you confident knowing that your footsteps are directed by Almighty God? Are you confident? God wants us to be confident in our relationship with Him and confident in who He's called and created us to be. Say confident. Look at Hebrews chapter 3. We'll look at a few scriptures here in Hebrew. Hebrews. That's, pastor might have told you that, but that's just confirmation that the guy's supposed to make the coffee, right? Some of you will get that later. He, he brews, get it, all right. Verse 6, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 6, it says, but, but Christ, the Messiah, was faithful over his own father's house as a son and master of it. And it is we who are now members of this house, if, say if, we hold fast and firm to the end, say to the end, our joyful and exultant confidence, say confidence, and sense of triumph in our hope in Christ. Go down to verse 14. And it says, For we have become fellows with Christ, the Messiah, and share in all he has for us if, say if, 
only we hold our first newborn confidence, an original assured expectation in virtue of which we are believers, firm and unshaken to the end. Notice he says, okay, this confidence is a sense of triumph. And he says, I want you to hold on to it. I want you to hold fast to it. He says this newborn confidence. Remember when you first accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? I was I was thinking of, of Miles this morning. Uh, we're, we're in college and and, and I'm preaching in, in Alpine, Texas, and, and I'm thinking of a first newborn confidence. Whenever you first accept the Lord and you know that you're forgiven, you know that you're saved, you know that, man, if you were to die, you're going to spend eternity with Almighty God. Remember how freeing that was? It's just like, God, glory to God, I'm not going to hell. I mean, that's a good thing, right? And I'm preaching here, and I can still see Miles. Uh, I had hair back then, and so did Miles. And... Uh, that day, I don't even remember what I was preaching on, but I remember Miles accepted the Lord that day. And I remember praying as he hugged me at the end of the service because I thought he was going to crack my ribs. I mean, he's tough as an ox. And he's so excited, and he thinks I'm really excited for him, and I am, but I'm excited for him to let go of me because he's squeezing me so hard. But what I saw in Miles was a first newborn confidence. That it didn't matter what he did the night before, and it didn't matter what you and I did the night before. And God says, this confidence, I want you to hold on to it. I want you to go back, and I want you to dig up that sense of triumph that you had when you first came out of the kingdom of darkness and you came into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Because life can happen and we can start out where we're on fire and we're passionate and we're full of zeal and we're enthusiastic about the things of God and nothing's going to stop us and nobody's going to stop us and we, we just take off at a sprint but then life begins to happen and now we once were moving really fast but now it feels like we're just sludging and we kind of lost our fire. And God is saying, if, if, if you'll hold on to that confidence... Everything that I have for you, you're going to experience it. My heart's going to become your heart. My, my desires are going to become your desires. My motive, my mind, my plan, you're going to walk in it. You're going to discover it. But I need you to hold on to your confidence because there is a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he wants to shake your world. He wants to rob you of your confidence. But God says, don't you let it go. Don't fling away your fearless confidence because that confidence carries with it great and glorious compensation of reward. Say confidence. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16. It says, let us then fearlessly, I'm reading this out of the Amplified, let us fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace. Notice this, fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace. Now I want to pause right here. Because I get a sense in my heart, you know, there's times when, when you and I, we hear about God and we hear what God's doing in, in other people's lives. And, and it's easy for us to, especially here in church, we think, okay, yes, God God is almighty and God is all-knowing and God is all-powerful. And, and I believe that God can answer prayers. And I believe that God is a healer. And I believe that God is a provider. And, and I believe that God wants to show up. And, and I believe that's who God is. But deep down inside... You have this thought of, I, I believe that's who he is for somebody else. I believe God will provide his needs, but mine? <laughs> believe God will heal his body. Mine? You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've come from. 
But we've got to get to the place as the body of Christ. That we have it settled on the inside of us. If anybody's going to know God. It's going to be us. If anybody's going to have their prayers answered. It's going to be us. If anybody's going to walk in the power of God. Talk to me church. It's going to be who? It's going to be us. If anybody's going to be walking in victory in this town. It's going to be. It's going to be us. If God's going to reveal his heart to anybody. It's going to be me. Not just for somebody else. He isn't just God to you. He's God to me. I, I'm going to know God the same way you know God. I'm going to know him as healer the same way you know him as healer. I'm going to know him as provider the same way you know him as provider. If anybody, if God's going to show up for anybody, it's going to be. But it's going to take confidence. Regardless of the situation, regardless of the circumstance, hold on to your confidence. Psalm 71 Verse 5, this is, this is King David. Most of us have heard of King David. And, and here he is. He's, he's later on in his life when he writes this psalm. And, and he didn't come from a wealthy family, so to say, as far as he didn't come from a line of kings. He, but here he is as one of the greatest kings that's ever lived. And he's fellowshipping with God. And he says, for you are my hope, O Lord God. You are my trust from my youth and the source of... Of my confidence. The source of what? If we were to tie a rope from your heart to the end of your confidence. Would we find God there? Or would our confidence be in our ability? Or would our confidence be in our job? Or would our confidence be in who we are and what we do? Or could we say right along with King David. God that you are the source of my confidence. And he goes on. Upon you have I leaned and relied from birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. You have been my benefactor from that day. My praise is continually of you. I am as a wonder and surprise to many, but you are my strong refuge. My mouth shall be filled with your praise and with your honor all the day. Jeremiah 17, verse 7 and 8. Say confidence. He says, most blessed is the man now, now, the reason that I'm reading so many scriptures, and, and I'm sure uh, Pastor Curtis goes over a lot of scriptures, but, but, but the reason, this, this is what I saw in the morning whenever I was praying for you guys. Right now, we have two mares that we're breeding at the house, and one of them is, has took, and the other one were giving her shots to bring her system into alignment to receive the seed. And that in the body of Christ, what I saw this morning, not only for you just locally, but corporately, is that God is, is he's, he's doing something in the body of Christ in our system, getting our systems ready to receive the word like we've never received before. Because like these two mares that I'm breeding, I mean, they're top quality mares and the studs that we're breeding them to are top quality studs to produce top quality kids. We have a top quality father and a top quality word, and a top quality Holy Spirit who's getting our hearts and systems ready to receive the uncompromising word of God to take us places that we've never seen before in the body of Christ. Our future is always going to be better than our past. That is God's desire. He's getting us ready. So when I'm, I'm declaring this word, this is what I'm seeing in the spirit realm, that he's getting our hearts ready. The seed is going directly into our hearts to produce his will on earth as it is in heaven. Are you with me? 
Psalm 71, verse 7, it says, Most blessed is the man who believes in, trusts in, relies on the Lord, whose hope and confidence the Lord is. Say confidence. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters that spread out its roots by the river and shall not see and fear when heat comes, but its leaf shall be green and it shall not be anxious and full of care in the year of drought, nor shall it cease yielding fruit. Notice he says, when you're confident, you'll be like a tree planted. Say planted. And I want to pause here for a moment because sometimes when we come into the house of God, we, we come here and we hear the word of God, but we're really not planted, we're, we're potted. And we sit there in our chair in our little pot with our ideas, and this is my opinion, and this is what Aunt Boo Boo taught me and Uncle Ding Dong And so, Pastor, I'm listening to you, but I'm listening through this filter in my pot. And I'll decide whether I agree with you or whether I don't agree with you. And I'm going to sit here in my pot, and a potted plant can only grow so big. A potted plant can only produce so much fruit. But every time you come through these doors, the Holy Spirit is sitting right there, and He's handing you a hammer, and He's saying, smash your pot. Smash your pot. Will you smash your pot? Will you be willing to let go of the way you think and what you think you know about God and allow the Spirit of God to take you beyond what you know? Smash your pot. He didn't say be potted in the house of God. He said be planted in the house of God. And when we're planted, then our roots will spread out. And we truly can be who God has called and created us to be. But it takes confidence And who God is and confidence in your leadership and confidence in the spirit of God and confidence in the word of God and confidence that you have what it takes. It takes confidence in yourself that you have what it takes to be everything God's called and created you to be. Say confidence. So what are some things we can do to keep developing our confidence? Hosea chapter 4 verse 6, very familiar scripture, you know this. It says, people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. What are some things we can do to develop our confidence, our confidence in God, our confidence in who God has called and created us to be? And he says, people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Listen to some of the synonyms for the word destroyed. It means dismantled. People are dismantled because of a lack of knowledge. It means crushed. It means wiped out. It means wrecked, butchered, exterminated, broken down, nullified, squashed. You ever felt like that in your life? I know I'm not the only one. You ever felt like that in your life? But let's look at the anonyms of it. It says, okay, so if people are destroyed and crushed and exterminated and nullified for lack of knowledge, he says when we have a knowledge of God and knowledge of who God has called and created us to be, it says it will aid you, it will assist you, it will build you up, it will construct you, it will create, it will fix, it will give birth, it will help, it will repair, it will preserve, it will save, it will restore. When we have knowledge of God, it gives birth to who you're truly created to be. When we have a knowledge of God and knowledge of what God has placed on the inside of us, it helps fix, it helps repair, it helps restore, it helps rebuild, it helps us be who God has called and created us to be. So knowledge of what? Knowledge of what will give me confidence? Knowledge of God and who God is and knowledge of God's word, but knowledge also of who God has created you to be. So knowledge of purpose. If you're taking notes, knowledge of purpose will give you confidence. Knowledge of purpose will give you confidence. Knowledge of what? Will give you what? 
Knowledge of purpose will give you confidence. Proverbs 19, 21 says the purpose of God remains forever. Now, whether we fulfill that purpose or we don't isn't up to God. It's up to us. He says it's the purpose of God. Before you were saved, purpose was running through your DNA. Even maybe you, 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 you came to God and you left and you went and did your own thing. Purpose never left. The purpose of God remains forever. You can't run from your purpose. People are born and people die. Never fulfilling their purpose because we have come to God telling God what we're going to do instead of coming to God and discovering what we're created to do. Isaiah 45 verses 9 through 13 says, Does the creation, listen to this, Does the creation come to the creator and say, This is what I'm going to do? And what, what do we say in church? Oh, bless the Lord. No, brother. But how many of us have gone to the creator and told him, This is what I'm going to do. Bless me. Knowledge of purpose will give us confidence. Knowledge of purpose will give us confidence. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5, it says, Before you were, were ever formed, I knew you. Before you were ever given birth to, I appointed you and I assigned you and I set you apart. Knowledge of purpose will give you confidence. Look at Romans chapter 8 verse 28. It says, We are assured and know that God being a partner in their labor, all things work together and are fitting into a plan for good to and for those who love God and are called according to His design and what? Purpose. We are assured to know God being a partner in their labor. Can you really say that God is a partner in your labor? Is God a partner in your business? Is God a partner in your family? Is God a partner in your finances? Is God a partner when it comes to your dreams and destiny and what you're created to do? Can I really say that God is my partner? He wants to be our partner. He wants to be involved in everything that we're created to do. And it says in all things, when God is our partner, all things, all things. See, the cancer is not good, but God is always good. The divorce is not good, but God is always good. The bankruptcy is not good, but God is always good. And when God is our partner, the enemy tries to kill, steal, and destroy. Your partner comes upon the scene and says, "Uh uh-uh, I'm an all-knowing partner. I'm an all-sufficient partner. I'm an all-powerful partner. I'm a partner that will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm a partner who who will not fail if you will let me be your partner. When you have God as your partner, he says, then I will take all things and work them together for your good because you're called. You're called. You're called. Have you ever had somebody call your cell phone and you feel it vibrating and you just mute it? Or you see it there and it's ringing and you mute it. Have you ever had that? How many times has the Holy Spirit been calling? And we mute it. Not now, Lord. Doing my own thing. No, when God is our partner, he says, I will work all things together for your good because you're called. You've answered the called. You've answered the call. Whenever I was, you answered. And he goes on to say, according to his design and his purpose. 
his design and his purpose. Do you know your purpose? See, purpose never changes. Purpose in life, whether you're a little baby or you're 80 years old. One thing is I travel and people come up to me 70, 80 years old, tears running down their face saying, Trey, I don't know why I'm on this earth. That is never God's will. God wants us to know who we are in him. He wants us to know why we're here. Do you know your purpose? Knowledge of purpose will give you what? confidence. When you know you're doing what you're created to do, it gives you confidence. When you know you're doing what you're wired to do, see purpose is your DNA. Purpose is your why. Purpose is why you exist. Purpose is why you're wired the way you're wired. Why you're gifted the way you're gifted. Why you're designed the way you're designed. Do you know your purpose? How many of you, don't raise your hand, in the morning you're going to get up and you're going to go to a job. I'm, I'm asking you, is that job your work or is it just somewhere to get a paycheck? See, work in the Hebrew is the word Aragon, and it means to become. When you discover your gifts and you discover your passion and you get up and you are going to a work, you are becoming. Man, that's why it is so important for us to be in our work. God gave man work before he gave him woman. Why? Because when you're in your work, you become who God's created you to become, and you create an environment for your wife to become and your kids to become. Are you working or are you just doing a job? Do you know your purpose? Knowledge of your purpose will give you confidence. Knowledge of purpose will do what? It'll give you confidence. Number two, knowledge of potential will give you confidence. Knowledge of potential will give you confidence. What is potential? Potential is what you could be. Potential is where you could go. Potential is how you could think. Potential is you being the best you you could be. I want you just to close your eyes real briefly here. Close your eyes. And I want you to see, can you see yourself being the best you you can be? Can you see yourself being the best man, the best woman, the best leader, the best whatever you're called and created to do? Jesus said, I come to give you life and life more abundantly. What does that abundant life look like? It looks like you being free. It looks like you running your race. It looks like you operating at full capacity. It looks like you being your best. Open your eyes. What you just saw is a picture of your potential. It's where you could go. It's who you could be. It's what you could do. Knowledge of your potential gives you confidence. Knowledge of what? Your potential gives you what? See, think with me. Think with me for a moment. When God made the bird, he built flight inside the bird. So when mama eagle pushes the bird out of the nest at first the eaglet he doesn't know what it's going to do but the next thing you know because what God placed in him is in him and a demand is placed upon him he begins to struggle and fight and the next thing you know his wings lock but see the potential was in him all along the potential is in you all along and a lot of times what's in us doesn't come out until there's a demand placed upon us In the very beginning, Adam had it in him to name all the animals. But it didn't start coming out until God God started bringing the animals in front of him. Giraffe, where'd that come from? It's in him all along. See, God built swim inside the fish. Whatever you're created to do, God built it in you. See, your ability and your responsibility are attached to who you are. When you discover your ability, how you respond with that determines where you go and what you accomplish. 
Do you know your ability? Because knowledge of your potential, knowledge of your ability, knowledge of your uniqueness, nobody can fire you from being you. Do you realize that? I did a leadership teaching last year, and and the title of it was, Would I Hire Me or Would I Fire Me? And I started going through each area of my life. And would I hire me? Oh, right there, I better lift my lid. Or I'm going to can myself there. This area, I'd hire me. This area, uh, uh. But see, when you discover what God has called and created you to do, nobody can stop you from being you. There's no devil. There's no religion. There's nothing that can stop you from being you when you realize how unique you are. When you realize there's only one you. When you realize that God gifted you and God wired you and God himself placed that passion and that desire on the inside of you. And he expects you to do something with it, not somebody else. He expects you to run your race. He expects you to know him. He expects you to develop what he's placed on the inside of you. When you have knowledge of your potential and knowledge of your uniqueness and knowledge of your gifts and ability, it gives you what? Confidence that no matter what storm you face, you're not going to let your confidence go because you're confident. God, you are almighty. You are the one who places in me. You are the one who's watching over your word. You're the one who's assigned angels. God, I'm confident in you. Even I don't know how this is going to work out, but I'm confident that you know and I'm not going to let it go. Knowledge of your purpose gives you what? Knowledge of your potential gives you what? Knowledge of your source will give you confidence. Knowledge of your source will give you confidence. Remember the disciples, they were walking with Jesus and they saw Jesus open the blind eyes. They saw Jesus open the deaf ears. They they saw him raise the dead. They they saw Jesus take the the fish and the loaves and multiply it and feed 5,000, you know, plus women and children. I mean, they saw some phenomenal things. But you know what? They didn't go to Jesus and say, Jesus, will you teach me how to heal heal the blind eyes? Jesus, will you teach me how to open the deaf ears? When they come to Jesus, what did they ask? Jesus, teach us to pray. Because they realized his time with the Father was what produced all the other things. So Jesus said, okay, this is Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. He says, okay, this is how we start praying. Our, hallowed be your name. We could go on and everybody could probably quote this, but notice what Jesus is saying. The word Father means source. He says, okay, You you want to understand the heartbeat of prayer? Right off the bat, I want you to understand He's our source. He's our source of wisdom. He's our source of strength. He's our source of everything. He's the source of power. Our Father. Don't ever lose the heartbeat of what I'm saying. Get this. This is the beginning. Our Father. In other words, always point back. If I walk in anything, it's going to come directly from my source. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 through 16. It says, you and I have the Spirit of God on the inside of us. And what is it calling out? It's calling out, Father, Father. Father, Father, acknowledging source, source, source. Why did Jesus say in Matthew 22, he says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What was he saying? Right off the bat, connect your spirit, man, to the source. Connect your mind to the source. Connect your physical abilities to the source. Because when you have knowledge of your source, it will give you confidence that is unshakable. Knowledge of your purpose gives you confidence. Knowledge of your potential gives you confidence. Knowledge of your source gives you 
confident. When you approach God, God wants you confident. He wants you confident in Him and confident in who He's called and created you to be. One more and I'm getting ready to be done. Knowledge of your value gives you confidence. Knowledge of your value gives you... Do you realize how valuable you are? Do you realize how valuable that gift is on the inside of you? Do you realize how valuable that dream is on the inside of you? Do you realize how, how valuable, if I, if I had a $100 bill here, you've probably seen this analogy before, and if I lifted up the $100 bill and I said, who, who would want the $100 bill, what would you say? Two of you, the rest of you are lying. Pastor, what about that? What would we say? Would you want the $100 bill? Why? Because the value has been set on it by the United States Treasury, Right? What if I take the $100 bill and I, cr I, I crumple it up and I throw it on the ground and I pick it back up and I say, does anybody still want the $100 bill? What would you say? And I, I might have poop on my boots from just being out with the horses and everything. And if I step on it, it gets a little poop on it. And I pick it back up and I say, who wants the $100 bill? What would you say? Why? Because no matter what it goes through, the value doesn't change. And there's times in our life that we might feel like we got pooped on. We might have got crumpled. We might just feel unvaluable. But our value never changes because our value was set on us by our creator. And knowledge of your value will give you, it'll give you confidence. It'll give you certainty. It'll give you assurance. Knowledge of your value. Most of you, do you know what a catcher is? In the boxing world, well, a catcher is somebody who gets in the ring and and, and he sits there and he catches people's fists with his face. <laughs> True story, there's a, there's a guy, Chuck Wepner, and his ringman, Al Braverman, were talking about your, your knowledge of your value gives you confidence. This guy would get in the ring and he would sit there and he'd catch people's fists with his face. Wop, wop, wop. And he'd watch them. I mean, and, and Al Braverman said he's the gutsiest fighter I've ever seen. He'd Blood would be running down his nose, and his eyes would be cut, and he'd swollen up, and he'd sit there, and he'd just take it. Wow, wow. Never thinking about the bell ringing, never want anybody to rescue him. Don't even think about throwing in the towel. Wop, wop. And he would see that other guy get tired, and he would rise up and just wop. He would just take him down. And so remember Don King, big hair Don, back in the boxing day? Don King saw this guy fight, and he said, man, i got to give this guy a shot at the heavyweight title of the world. So the catcher was going to have a chance to fight George Foreman. Well, before he fought George Foreman, then Muhammad Ali beat George Foreman. So now Chuck Wepner was going to fight Muhammad Ali for the heavyweight title of the world. So they're, they're boxing here, and he's taking it, and all of a sudden Chuck Wepner hits Muhammad Ali in the ninth round. He goes down, and he starts jumping around. So you better start the car. I just knocked down the champ. We're going to the bank. And his ring man said, you better turn around because he's getting up. And Muhammad Ali goes on and he wins the fight. And that would just be a great boxing story and everything. But what happened that night watching the fight? Is there was a young struggling rider that was sitting out there. And the whole time this fight's going on, he's saying, that's it. That's it. And he goes home and he writes for three days, day and night, day and night. Writes for three days. And when he gets done, after the three days... Sylvester Stallone had given birth to the award-winning movie, Rocky. Now, he believed he had something of value. So he goes to the movie producers and he says, okay, and they offered him, they read the script, and they offered him 400000 up front uh, to, buy, to buy the rights to the movie. He says, uh-uh. He says, this is what I want. I want $340 a week, which is minimum wage. I want $20,000 up front. And I want the right to play Rocky in this movie and 1% royalty. 
I said, okay, yeah. Because he believed he had something of value. They go to Chuck Wepner, who the movie was about, and they said, okay, we'll give you 1% royalty or $70,000 up front. And he took the $70,000 up front because he didn't believe his life had any value. Years ago, that 1% royalty had cost him over $8 million. And the guy died selling liquor in a liquor store in Louisiana. And we sit there and we listen to stuff like that and we think, oh, God, man, what a bonehead. I mean, come on. Yeah. But what is it in your life that God sees as valuable that you don't believe that you have anything of value? See, your value is set on you by your creator. You're very valuable to God. That dream is valuable to God. That gift is valuable to God. You are valuable to God. And you need to see yourself as valuable to God because knowledge of your value will give you, it'll give you confidence. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes? And I want you to think about your value. I want you to think about your confidence level. I want you to think about where you're at in your relationship with God. Are you confident in your relationship with God? Heads bowed, eyes closed. I want you to go inward just for a moment. And can every person in this building, without any doubt, say, you know what, I'm confident that if I were to die today, I would spend eternity with Almighty God. Can you recall a moment or can you recall a time in your life that you can reflect back on And you can say, you know what, I know at that day, at that place, maybe it was in a hotel room, maybe it was in church, maybe it was driving down the road, but you can recall, yeah, that was the time that I wasn't playing with it. I didn't do it because my mom and dad wanted me to do it, or grandma or grandpa wanted me to do it, or my friends did it. I remember at that time, I called upon the name of Jesus, and I asked Jesus to come into my heart to be my Lord and my Savior. Every head bowed, everyone thinking inward. Are you confident that if you were to die today, you would spend eternity with Almighty God. If you don't have that confidence, if you don't have that knowing on the inside of you of where you're going to spend eternity, if you can't recall that moment, would you make right now that moment? You say, how? How can I make right now that moment? Very simple. The Bible says when a person believes in their heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and declares with their mouth, Jesus, you are my Lord. He says at that time, that person receives eternal life and they know, they know, they don't guess, they don't wish, they don't just hope, they know that they're going to spend eternity with Almighty God. Do you have that knowing? This is what I'd like us to do for time's sake. Heads bowed, eyes closed, all of us. Even if you've said this prayer before, I'd like all of us to pray this very simple prayer together out loud. And the reason I have us do it together out loud is because I want the people praying this prayer for the very first time. I want them confident in this prayer that they're praying. Another reason I do it out loud is because I want you familiar with the heartbeat of this prayer. So you can lead your friends and family to the Lord. Can we pray this prayer together out loud, church? Can we say, Father God, today is the day that I make the decision to believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead to give me life and right now I accept that life and I ask you Jesus to come into my heart to be my Lord 
and to be my Savior. And according to God's Word, I'm now saved, forgiven, and I can be confident that I'll spend eternity with Almighty God.